and marriage, love and marriage Go together like a horse and carriage This I tell you, brother You can't have one without the other Love and marriage, love and marriage It's an institute you can't disparage Hey! Um, I think most of you know that uh, one of our strategic partners in missions is uh, the Haruma Children's Home, Mama Sapora. And uh, I don't know if you know this, though, that her daughter, Caroline, has been living with Lisa and I for the last two, two and a half years. And uh, Caroline's getting ready to go back uh, to Kenya. So I wanted to ask her to come up here uh, on stage today. Uh, Caroline's been studying and just received her master's degree from ASU and uh, has really, yeah. Cool moment, and, and it's kind of brought her to a place of saying, hey, so what has God got for me next? And you actually applied, and we're hoping that you would be able to stay for a while, and that application got turned down. So now you're at a moment where you're just kind of saying, okay, so what has God got for me next? And so you're heading back to Kenya uh, because your visa has expired and waiting to say, okay, do I reapply uh, to come back to the States? Do I work there with mama? Uh, do I go work in the government where I can be a voice for uh, children there in the government? And just trying to figure out kind of what God has for you next, and uh, I, we want to pray for you in a moment that God's going to give you real leading, but I want to give you the opportunity just to kind of express your heart and, and say goodbye to us uh, today. You're getting on a plane. We were trying to decide this last hour. Is it tonight or is it tomorrow morning? I think it's tomorrow morning at uh, 4 a.m. At 4 a.m., and I said I was going to drop you off tonight and let you find out, right? Yes. Okay, <laughs> all right, so... <laughs> <laughs> they have two adults to jump, Mama, Mama Zippor and Papa Lin, so that is, oh, that is a little <laughs> bit hard. So all I ask is your prayers as I go back because I don't know what God has for me uh, ahead of me. So please remember me in your prayers. And also I welcome you guys. Come to Kenya. Come and visit us. And I said it is infectious. When you come there, you don't want to come back. It's infectious. So pray for me, as Papa Lin said, so that I can know God's will for me in my life. Hey, I, I, let's do that. Let's just, I, I guarantee every one of us has been at the same place in our life that Caroline is right now where you're saying, okay, God, so what's next? And I just wish you would speak clearly and let me know. So I'm going to ask us that we would pray that prayer uh, for Caroline. So do me a favor. Would you join me? Would you stand? And let's just pray. 
Dearest Heavenly Father, we, we just come to you in this moment, and God, we, we know kind of what we would do if we uh, could decide, and yet uh, some of those things aren't happening or working out. So we're coming to a moment in which we just simply say, God, your plans are better than our plans, but would you tell us just next? We don't have to know the whole plan. Would you just tell us the next thing? And we just promise that whatever that is and wherever you would lead, we will be obedient and we'll follow. And so, God, I, I pray for Caroline that you would be so clear to her uh, as to what you're trying to do or where you're trying to take her. And if she's to reapply to come back to the States or if she's to work there with Mama or whatever it is that you have in store for her, would you simply tell her the next thing? God, thank you for her. Thank you for her love for you. Thank you for her service here at Cornerstone while she's been here and the incredible friendships that she's been part of. God, we pray your blessing on her. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Hey, we are, uh, we're in the middle of the marriage series and uh, wanted to do something maybe just a little bit different today. And, and, if, and if you came here to, hoping today for a deeply theological uh, talk, uh, you're, that's, that's really not where we're headed. And what we thought we would do uh, together today is something that's much more on the practical side. I think sometimes what we do when we have conversations in marriage is we, we, we set this standard up here and we say, okay, men, you ought to be willing to die for your wife and you've got to take your needs and submit them below her. And, and we set a standard and it's good. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're aiming for. But we set a standard that I, I don't know if you can ever do perfectly. And I think we walk away sometimes and say, could you just give me something that would help, something that I could actually get my hands dirty with and do that's going to bring uh, something really, really significant in my relationship. And we want to tackle that uh, together just a little bit day on some stuff that's just highly practical. I think it's a chance to change our conversation, maybe even change our vocabulary uh, amongst each other, but to be deeply, deeply helpful in our lives. And one of the things that you and I are commanded to do as husbands and wives is to love each other. But what do you do in the moments when you feel like you're doing your very, 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 very best to love your spouse and they don't, they're not noticing that, that all of your efforts go completely without any type of, no credit. It's just like I, 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 husbands that would say, I feel like I've laid down my life for my wife and she doesn't even notice that I've done that for her. Wives who would say, I have been so unspeakably loving toward my husband, and it's like there's a shell there, and you just can't penetrate this with this man. And what, what do you do in that moment in which I know I'm commanded to be loving, and yet it doesn't seem to be doing anything? And we're going to give you an opportunity to say, hey, maybe, maybe uh, this is different than I thought. Here's what I want us to do real quickly. I want you to think back to the last time when you received love, the last time when something happened in your life, someone put their hand on your shoulder at exactly the right moment, someone said something to you, and in the moment they said that to you, you said, wow, that person cares deeply for me. Maybe it was a gift you received, and you said, wow, I, I just know they were thinking about me, and I, I feel deeply loved that they would do that gesture in my direction. So I just for a moment, I want you to stop and think, when's the last time in your life that you would say, okay, when that happened, when that was said, when that was done, I knew, I mean, I knew deep down that I was loved. What would that be for you? Just think about it for a second. 
the last time somebody clearly communicated to you that you were loved, what happened? What was said? What was done that you felt deeply loved? Here's the interesting thing. If I were to go right now and take a survey in the room, and I would say, okay, so tell us the last time, and go to the next person, tell us the last time, you'd get that our stories would be vastly different. The one person would say, you know what, I, I was just at a horrible moment in my life, and, and this friend of mine came up and, and just put their arm around me at that moment, and I cannot tell you how deeply that impacted my heart and how deeply loved I felt in that moment. And there would be someone else in this room who would hear your account of that and say, really? I mean, if my friend put their arm around, it, it, it wouldn't have been a big deal. It, a matter of fact, I wouldn't have received that as anything very significant at all in that moment. And they might say, well, but you know what? There was a time when someone said, and when they said that, I knew I was loved. And, and someone else would say, well, no, words are cheap. I mean, I, I don't get, but, but let me tell you what someone did for me. And when they did that, and here's the interesting thing. You get that we would all have our story about how we receive love and the things that made us feel loved, and they would be vastly different. Matter of fact, uh, some have suggested that, that each of us has what they call a love language. In other words, a way in which we receive communication about love, and that these love languages are different. And that in the process of us trying to speak to each other and let each other know that we're loved, that if I'm speaking the wrong love language, in other words, if I'm expressing love to my spouse or to someone in my life or to my, even my own children in a language they don't understand, in other words, the, I may be doing the most loving thing I know to do, but that's not how they receive love, that it's like speaking French to someone who only understands English. And it's possible in that moment, no matter how clear I'm being, no matter how obviously I'm trying to state to that person I love them, because they don't speak that language, they aren't hearing I love you on any level, because it's not their love language. Matter of fact, uh, some of you know that Lisa and I adopted one of the little girls from the orphanage uh, there in Kenya, and she's actually uh, married now. And uh, so we'll go back uh, probably once or twice a year, and we spend some time with Sylvia and with her husband, James. And uh, inevitably, as we're driving around and spending time together, James and Sylvia would be in the back seat, and they're speaking Swahili to each other. <laughs> About a day and a half in, every time we go, Lisa finally just goes, okay, I'm done. I'm done. This is an English-only zone. And for the rest of the time that Papa Lynn and I am here, you have to speak English because we don't understand what you're saying when you speak Swahili. And she would never say this in front of the kids, but she'll even say to me off in private, she'll go, you know, Lynn, it, it almost feels rude when, when, when they're speaking in that language, and I don't understand. I, it, it just, is it possible? Is it possible that for some of us in this room that there would be husbands who'd say, look, I, Lynn, I feel like I have said to my wife in so many ways and so clearly, I love you. And yet, in the midst of that, she says to me, I feel unloved. Is it possible that you're speaking to her in your love language and not hers? And that it's as different and unintelligible to her as if you were speaking French 
ladies, is it possible that you're married to a man and you say, I, Lynn, I just don't get it. I have been so loving to this man and I get no response. I mean, I might, I might as well be loving a wall. And I, I, there's nothing back. And is it possible, is it possible that maybe he's not broken? That you're speaking love in a way that you would receive love and in a language that you would understand and in a way that does not make sense to his heart. So we're just going to talk through this very, very practical. As a matter of fact, there's a guy by the name of Gary Chapman. He's a Christian counselor who's written a book called The Five Love Languages. And what he suggests is, is that there's five basic ways to communicate love, five basic love languages. And that if you and I are speaking the wrong love language to the person that we love, they may not have heard it, let alone understood it yet. Guys, I, I think this is going to be, it has the potential, although, again, not deeply theological, but amazingly practical. Because here's the deal. At the end of the day, every one of us is commanded to love our spouse, but what if they're not hearing it? I think there's a chance in here for some of us who are struggling with our own children, and we go, I, I just don't get it. My, 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 my kid doesn't seem to understand how deeply I care. What, what if you're speaking the wrong language to that child? I think there are people in this room who potentially may find a lifetime of freedom who'd say, my parents never approved or accepted or loved me, that might today, all of a sudden, upon hearing the difference of love language, go, oh my goodness, my parents were screaming, I love you, and I just didn't understand the language they were saying it in. So here's what I'm going to do. I just want us to take the time today, we're going to kind of unload and unpack the five different love languages. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Uh, I think in front of you, uh, there are pieces of paper that you can pull out uh, from the chair ahead of you. I'm going to encourage you to simply do this. On the one side, I want you, as we're listening through the five love languages, to potentially write down, these are my love languages. And everybody's going to have at least one. Some of us are going to have two. I, after the first service, I had a wife go to her husband and say, I think I have all five, so go for it. <laughs> uh, you probably don't have all five. Uh, probably one, probably two. You're really pushing uh, if, if you've got uh, three. So on one column, what's your love language? But I think the more intriguing part today is the second column to say, what is the love language of my spouse? And as we go through this list, I want to encourage you to try to write down, this is the love language of my spouse. Be interesting when you get done, if you go to them and go, hey, this, this is what I thought, and they go, totally wrong. Couldn't be further from now, I know some of us in here go, Lynn, but, 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 I'm not married. And so here's the deal. If you're single, this, this is still going to have great value for you because someday you're going to have to utilize this. So here's what I want you to do to kind of prepare yourself for that is simply think of somebody in your life you've had a significant relationship, a dear friendship, maybe somebody you dated in the past and it went kind of weird before it was all said and done. What would have been their love language? And I wonder if maybe that was one of the factors in the relationship. Single parents. Can I tell you that Lisa and I were driving along because we were getting ready for this. We were driving along in the car a couple days ago, and Lisa looked at me and said, Hey, Lynn, what do you think Josh's, our son's, love language is? And I had to go, You know what? I, I don't know that I've ever stopped to consider that. And what if I spent a lifetime trying to tell my son I loved him in the wrong language? So I'm going to encourage you as parents to know, to know the love language of your kids. Okay, so here we go. We're going to go through the list of five. Again, not deeply theological, but hopefully 
unbelievably practical as we seek to obey what Scripture tells us to do. So here we go. Love language um, number one, words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. This, this is a person who feels deeply filled, deeply loved when somebody expresses verbally what they think or how they feel about them. Now, this is interesting because some of us in this room would say, words are cheap. Show me with your actions. And if that's how you feel, then chances are you're not a words of affirmation type of person. But a words of affirmation person, say, now you, here's the deal, you've got to mean it, and you can't say it flippant. And, and, the, and the more they're convinced that you really thought about what you said before you said it, the deeper the impact. But the way their heart is filled up is when you say, man, in, in that moment, I was so proud of you. And you say it just fills their tank. I guarantee you there are men in this room who have longed to hear their wives say, I am so thankful I married you. And just that, 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 that would actually mean more to them if you, than if you said I love you. It would, because it's words of affirmation. There are, there are guys in this room that, that, that if, for their kids to say, Dad, I, man, I'm so proud of you as my dad. Those words, if meant, just fill them up. Matter of fact, there's a passage in Scripture. You can hop over there with me uh, really, really quick. It's the book of Proverbs, and it kind of talks about this whole idea of choice words said at the right time. It's Proverbs chapter 25, and if you're not real familiar, if you kind of open the middle of your Bible, you're probably going to find the book of Psalms, maybe the book of Jobs. Don't stay there. It's not what you think. Just, but you move to the right. You're going to find this book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 25. Wisest man ever, Solomon. Here's what he said about words. It's Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. It says, a word aptly spoken. That just simply means the right word at the right moment. Aptly spoken. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And you go, what's that? Stop and think about it. Think about the best, most ornament, the centerpiece of a room. Apples of gold in settings of silver. He's saying this is, this is the coolest thing in the house. My wife used to do a lot of interior decorating. And a lot of times she'd come home, she'd go, uh, the room is great, I just need a statement piece. I need that thing that when you walk in the room, boom, your eye immediately goes to it and it just makes a statement about everything else, a statement piece. Solomon is saying, the right word spoken at the right time. And I would interject and say, especially to a person whose love language is affirming words, can become the centerpiece of their heart. And if you're one of these people, I guarantee you, you remember moments in your life when someone said exactly what you needed to hear. And those words are more important than anything that could have been done, anything that could have been given to you, are those words. Years ago, I was youth pastoring in a church in Scottsdale, and my time to be there uh, was winding down, and I ended up heading to a new church in California, and as I got ready to go, the kids in the youth group got together and they bought me a clock. Ugliest clock. 
it was this wooden thing, and I, I'm just gonna, I don't know what type of wood that was, but it looked like it was probably good for burning and not much else. Uh, the, the, the face of the clock was this kind of brassy, really kind of gaudy, weird thing, and ugly clock. On the bottom of the clock was a little plaque. And on that plaque, it simply said, Lynn, you've been a teacher, and you have taught us the things of Christ, and you've been a friend in our lowest moments, and you have changed our lives. Can I, can I tell you that that clock hung in my office for 20 years? Ugly clock. Words of affirmation. Can I tell you that clock broke and I sent it out for repair? <laughs> Words of affirmation. And, and I'm just going to tell you that if you're married to someone who needs, there are women in this room, men, who you don't say, I love you enough. And living with you feels like a desert to her because she's waiting for you to tell her again. Ladies, there, there, are men, there are men in this room, there is nothing you could do that would fill their love tank, speak their love language more clearly than to say, I am proud to be your wife. Words of affirmation. If you think you're married to somebody who, uh, or your spouse has words of affirmation, or when your children has words of affirmation, uh, let me give you some practical things you can do. Uh, praise them, but you got to mean it. There's nothing more frustrating than if you're being flippant about praise. you got to mean it. They've got to know that you thought about it before you said it, and you meant it when you said it. Write them a note, and don't be surprised if that note goes in their Bible or if they stick it in a drawer to pull out later or hang it on a wall as a clock. Write them a card. And here's what you need to know. When I get cards, I, all the blah, 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 blah stuff that's at the beginning, who cares? You know, you know what I look for every time I get a card? I look to see if they wrote anything at the bottom. Just one sentence. You've blessed my life. Thanks for being a great example. Okay. Sentence at the bottom. Compliment them in public. People who care about words... For you to, in a public setting, say, man, my husband is so great at, my, my wife is the most amazing mother, most incredible wife, words of affirmation said in public, okay? Okay, second love language, quality time, quality time. People whose love language is quality time, this is simply, hey, being together, and here's what you got to get. It's not about exotic stuff. This isn't about trips to the Caribbean. This is simply setting aside time to be together. It can be a walk. It can, it can be the first 10 minutes when you walk in the room after work is over. It's just simply this idea that says, you cared enough about me to make yourself available. And here's the thing about quality time, is that for people whose love language is quality time, you're, you're going to be tempted to go, well, what are we going to do? And the person whose love language, they don't care what we do. It's the idea that you set aside, made the appointment to be with them. There, there are nights that Lisa and I go to the movies together. I, sometimes we don't say a whole lot. 
It's the idea in Lisa's heart that I said, I will set aside every Thursday night to be with you. Quality time. Matter of fact, it's interesting. The Bible describes uh, David as being a man after God's own heart. And one of David's confessions about his life was simply this. God, every morning I will set aside time to seek after you. Isn't that interesting? I think one of the things that's kind of fun as we go through this discussion, did you know that out of the five love languages, God actually asks us for four of them that we would express our love toward him? And quality time is just simply saying, look, 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 I, I choose, I choose to make myself available to you. Quality time. Ladies, let, let me just give you a little bit of a clue on this. Even if this love language is not your husband's primary love language, because of how men are wired, this will still be important to him. And he may come back and you get done today and he may say, hey, these are my two, and he may not list quality time. It's still something you can't miss, and here's why. Men bond over activity. In the same way that women bond over conversation, men bond over activity. Think about this for a moment. You've seen it sometime when they're interviewing a man, and he says, man, the best time of my life. Those, those guys, those, they were my brothers. And a tear begins to roll down his cheek. He's talking about when he was at war. He's talking about a championship team he served on or a car they built and raced. Because, 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 you ready for this, ladies? Men bond over activity the same way you bond over conversation. Think about this. You go to a sports field, and suddenly men can break every man code in the world on a sports field. Score a touchdown, score a touchdown, and men are doing things that men would never do any other place in the world. Men are hugging in public. Men are patting each other in places that men would never pat each other any other time. Why, 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 why? Because men bond over activity. And so in that moment, ladies, when he said to you, hey, I, I'm going hunting. You want to go? And you said, what? Go kill something and skin? No. Go. You need to know you missed an amazing invitation in the life of a man. Because he was okay if you just simply came and stayed in the tent and read a book but he was by inviting you into the bonding activity of his life. And you, and you need to hear that when you said no, there's a possibility that it affected his heart as deeply as the last time you asked him to talk, and he said, what about? One of the most powerful things that Lisa's done in my life is take up golf. <laughs> Lisa doesn't like golf. She golfs to be with me. She golfs to join. And I guarantee you the entire time we're golfing, she goes, I, I can think of like 10 other things I'd rather spend 45 bucks on. But what she's learned is, is that being with me in activity is deeply bonding to a male. And so next time he's out working on the car and he says, hey, you want to come out? And you go, no. Grab a book, pull up a chair, and just read while he works on the car because he's invited into your world. Okay? So if you think you're married to somebody who quality time is a big deal to, hey, men, 
I had a guy come to me after first service and he said, I go, sh I go grocery shopping with my wife. Because I think my wife's one of my things is quality time. And he goes, you know what? He says, I feel totally stupid. All I do is push the cart. <laughs> That's all I do. She's, what? I'm pushing the cart. He says, my wife, oh, every time I go, she goes, it's so much better with you. What's his wife's love language? Quality time. And the idea that he would take the time to be with her is huge to her heart. Okay, here we go. If you think your spouse is maybe quality time, here you go. Date night. Set a date night. Every Thursday, whatever that is, set a date. Because just the setting of the date night speaks volumes to a quality time. Couch time. You, you come home from work and you just go, hey kids, go in the room, kill each other. We'll, we'll, we'll be there in 10 minutes. And if, and if you've got a spouse whose thing is quality, that 10 minutes will be volumes to them. Take a walk. Just walk. Just walk. Family vacation. If you've got a quality, I, I promise you, if you've got a quality time person in your life, they're saying, Can, can't we just go? And what they're asking for is, can't I get you somewhere away from here in which we can have time? Find out what they like doing and join them even if it's pushing a shopping cart, even if it's in the tent while they hunt. Join them. Third love language. Receiving gifts. Receiving gifts. And you know what I think, and, and as, as Gary describes this in his book, I want to amend this just a little bit. I think, I think a, probably a better description to maybe help us get our heads around this is monuments of love. Okay, because... You've all heard, hey, it's, 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 it's not how big it is, it's the thought that counts. So, guys, you get that we've got this all wrong, because here's how a guy thinks. I bought her a car. The payments are for five years. That means she should know I love her for five years. And guys, you, you, it's not the size, it's the thought. This is why, guys, ready? This is why she likes flowers. Because here's, here's what flower says. Before you showed up at the door, you were thinking of me. And now that I get to take those flowers, and yes, they're going to die in about a day and a half, but for a day and a half, every one of my girlfriends knows, and I know every time I look at them, that I've got a man who thinks of me when we are not together. It's a monument to our love. And don't, don't be surprised, you buy her a cheesy little bracelet or you buy him some little thing and, and all of a sudden it gets put somewhere where they can see that thing because you're ready, you're ready. Every time they see it, it reminds them that they're loved. They make little monuments out of it. Every time they put on that dress, every time she wears that necklace, I'm loved. It's interesting. Uh, Jesus said, remember this? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And Jesus seemed to say, hey, you know what? There's something to do with where my money is and where my heart is. It's one of the reasons he said to us, I'm, I'm going to ask you to give back to me. It's kind of a monument to your love. 
Here's an interesting thing. I, I wouldn't have even thought about it. Uh, one of the things that Gary brings up in the book is he says, it's not just physical gifts. It's the gift of attendance. And, and that for this type of a person, for a person who likes receiving gifts or what I call monuments of love, special days are a big deal. Remember we said the person who wants quality time doesn't have to have an event, they just want us to spend time with them. But a person who likes receiving gifts, special events and days become huge to them. So all of a sudden if there's a birth, well, we have to go. And one of the most deep violations you can do is leave early. If there's a funeral, you need to stay the whole time because there's something about that moment in which you're saying, look, this is an important event in your life and as a testimony, as a monument to how I've, I am going to set all of this aside for you. If you find yourself arguing with your spouse about where you're going to spend Christmas and Thanksgiving, it's possible this is the love language because where I spend Christmas and things is a testament of my priority and my love. Isn't that interesting? If you have a person in your life, you say, you know what, I think, I think this gift giving, this monument thing may be their deal. Here are some suggestions. Leave little gifts where they'll find it. Because remember we said part of their heart skips when all of a sudden you're absent and they have something that commemorates your love. If you're a person who struggles to do this and you're not a great gift giver, buy several, stick them in a drawer, wait for the right moment. <laughs> Be sure to show up at key events. I'm, I'm just telling you, that wedding means more to her than you realize. Where you spend Christmas and how much time you take for it means more to him than you thought. She thought you were just trading and being even. Last, call him in the middle of the day. It's an amazing gift that just simply says, I was thinking about you were apart. I was thinking about you. Love language number four. Acts of service. Acts of service. There, there are some people who the most incredibly clear way, the way in which they just go, okay, I know I'm loved, is when you and I do something for them. And guys just need to know, it can be the most, probably the most menial, it, it, mowing the grass, washing the dishes, trimming the tree. It's acts of, it's painting the wall. And when we do that, when we do that act of service for them, it, they receive it as a deep expression because they go, look, this person is caring about caring for me. And they receive that as an absolutely powerful gesture of love in their lives. Matter of fact, it's interesting because in Galatians chapter 6, and again, I won't make you turn there, it just simply says this, carry one another's burdens. In other words, do for others and carry part of their load for them. And in doing this, fulfill the law of Christ. And you need to know that there are people whose love language is received, and the thing that speaks the most deeply in their life is when you and I do something for them. This is, this is kind of interesting because uh, I'm a kid, and I'm growing up, and some of you know my story that my parents divorced when I was pretty young, and I'd go spend the summers at my uncle's house, and he owned a lawn maintenance company, so I'd spend summers mowing lawns uh, with my uncle, and I'd been doing that for about two and a half years, and one night I'm sitting there in bed and it's time to go to sleep and, I, and it occurred to me that 
I had never said to my aunt, and she'd never said to me, I love you. And I'd been there two and a half years, and I, I, I thought, that's... So I, I purposed in my little 10-year-old heart that when she came that night to tuck me in bed, I was going to tell Aunt Peggy that I loved her. And I can remember sitting there waiting for her to come in the room, and I'm shaking because this is a big deal for me because remember, words of affirmation. So to say this out loud, I mean, this is, this is a big moment in my life, and I'm kind of trembling, and Aunt Peggy comes uh, walking in the room, and uh, tucks me in bed, and then she's leaving, and, and, and I, I, find, I, I found the courage, and I blurted, and I said, Aunt Peggy, I, I love you a whole bunch. And Aunt Peggy said, love you too, and walked out of the room. <laughs> I, I remember as a, as a young man, I, that, that moment really set me back, and I thought, Wow. It wasn't until years later and, and someone introduced me to the conversation that you and I are having today and all of a sudden I heard acts of love and I went, that's it. My Aunt Peggy's love language was acts of love. For two years, she had screamed, I love my nephew. She, she, for two years, she'd brought me in her house and let me live like I was her child. For two years, she had cooked every meal for me. For two years, she'd washed my dirty underwear. And if you had gone to my Aunt Peggy and said, Aunt Peggy, Lynn's not sure you love him, I think she would have laughed and gone, are you kidding me? I have done everything I know to express my love to that little boy. Words of affirmation, acts of service. I, I got a feeling when she walked out of the room, she probably walked down the hallway, kind of smiled to herself and said, Lynn, if you really love me, carry out the trash. because that's how she would have heard it. Remember a couple weeks ago, I was telling you about Mama Sapora and, and how when we were there in Kenya, and she stood up in front of the kids, and she said to the kids, now I know that Papa Lynn loves my children. And why did she say? Because he took a crowbar and was working in the dormitory. Think about this. All the trips I've taken over there, all the money that we've given her as cornerstone, and the thing that stuck in her heart was the image of me with a crowbar. Anybody want to guess what Mama Sapora's love language is? Acts of service. That's when she knew we loved her. If you've got someone in your life who receives love through acts of service, here's some suggestions. Listen, there is a really, really, really good chance they've already expressed to you what they were hoping you would do. So listen. And guys, here's the deal. If you're a man and she's been saying, hey, when are we going to paint that room and when are we going to work on the, on the patio? See, you probably thought you were being nagged at. And what she was really saying is, would you consider this gesture, which lets me know that you're engaged and loving to me? It's possible, ladies, that, that when he said, hey, you know, I come home and the house is a mess and I just don't understand why we do, there's, there's a chance his love language is acts of service, or he's just a jerk, one of the two, but you know, if it's acts of service, then it would mean something different. If you don't know, ask. You just need to know with people whose gifts is that, they don't mind you asking. And, and, and just say, look, I need a list of about 10, and I'd like for you to prioritize them, and I'd like to know what order would be most important to you. Can I have that list? And get the list. 
And then finally, you ready? Do one of their chores. I guarantee you in your marriage, you've kind of negotiated and you've navigated, and this is kind of what he does, and this is kind of what she does. I can't, if, if your spouse is, is active service, if you were to do one of their chores without being, if you were to wash the clothes, lady, if you were to mow the grass, it'd blow them away. It'd just blow them away if their love language is acts of service. Okay, final one, number five, physical touch. Physical touch. Now, here's what you need to hear about this. This can be non-sexual. So, or this is just, hey, I, I, you put your hand on my shoulder, you hugged me, we held hands together while we were driving down the road. It can, it can be non-sexual, or it may be sexual. It, it may be your partner says, no, 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 that sexual, that physical sexual encounter is what fills my heart. Matter of fact, I, I measure, I gauge how well we're doing in our marriage by how well we're doing in the bedroom. And you go, well, that's stupid. No. It's their love language. And, and here's the deal is that for some of us, we go, wow, I mean, wait, wait a minute. You, so you, you want me to hold your hand when we're out in public? And, do, and, you, and you go, that, that's so weird for me. That's just not how I was raised. And here's what you need to hear. That's your problem. It's not theirs. A while back, I, uh, uh, I had a family member in We'd spent several years kind of at odds with each other, and we'd finally kind of had the conversation, and I'm sorry, and will you forgive me, and kind of came that moment when we needed to hug, and uh, so we got there, and, 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 I, and I reached over, and I hugged, and, and my family member went, <laughs> and, and I remember thinking in that moment, I, I thought, that is so weird. I, how does anybody in their life know or receive affection from this family member of mine? That was just so awkward. And then I thought, you know what? I guarantee you my family member has other love languages. There's clearly is not physical touch on the deal. But here's what you need to hear is that, is that if you're the, and, and, and your spouse is somebody who receives affection, by physical touch, then you're going to have to figure out how to get unstiff. You're going to have to figure out, go, you know what, that's just, and, and you know what, there's a chance that, there's a chance that, that they want this to be in public and out there and, and, be, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going, I'm not saying that, I'm just saying, they're going to want you to put your hand on their shoulder or hold their hands or give them a little kiss because to them there's a huge statement that says, in front of everybody else, you showed me the deepest expression of how I receive love in my life. So let me give you a couple suggestions if this may be your spouse. Uh, hold hands. I know it's Arizona. I know it's 130 degrees. I know their hand is sweaty. Hold hands. Touch them in public. Okay? I'm just telling you, touch them in public, okay? Men, if your daughter's love language is physical touch, you're going to have to figure this out. And you're going to have to figure out how to fill her love tank 
in a non-sexual, non-weird, you're just going to have to figure this out. And I know, I know, I know, I know she's 16, and she's starting to look a little bit more like a woman than she is like a girl, and I know this feels a little awkward, but man, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to have to figure out how to fill this in your daughter, if this is her love language, in a non-sexual way. Because if you don't, there's a 16-year-old boy who will. And if this is her love language, you've got to navigate this. Show this in front of your kids. See, this is the husband walking up behind his wife and putting his arms around her and nuzzling into her neck a little bit. And, and it's your kids going, You, you want to hear what's just behind the, I'm so glad dad loves my mom. And I'm so glad my mom loves my dad. Truth is, truth is, the best gift you can give your kids is that their parents love each other. So you should make them go, about once a week. If your partner is a touch partner, if, if that's their love language, and, and if that is a sexual thing for them, in other words, they go, that, you know, that's what it is, and that's, that's how I receive this, and you go, well, you know, that's, that's not me, then I, here's what I'm going to say, initiate sex. I guarantee you, if this is their love language, if this is how they receive love, your partner has been waiting for you to be the person who makes the first move. Because every time they have to make the first move, they go, wow, I, I'm just being so loving and it's never coming this way. And if you were to make the, it would just, it would blow them away for you to initiate in their lives. Okay, so here's, here's the deal. Here, here's what I'm going to ask. You and I are commanded to love our spouses. And what if, I'm just, what if you have been trying all your married life to let them know they're loved and they haven't heard you yet? What if your children's love language is different than your love language and you've got kids who aren't sure mom and dad love them because you haven't spoken their love language? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you that somewhere after this morning, on your ride home, when you go grab lunch today, this evening when things wind down, I don't care. I'm going to ask you to take the list that we made. And the first thing I'm, I want you to do is I want you to sit down with your, with your spouse and say, okay, here's what I guessed were your love languages. Here's what I thought. And guys, 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 look, look, look. Don't be surprised if they look at you and go, you're crazy. Because here's the interesting thing. You and I tend to speak in either the love language that speaks the most to us, so we revert to our own favorite, or you want to hear the really interesting thing? The other is we revert to the one that our parents used. So it's not uncommon for you and I to treat our spouse the way that our mother or our father spoke love. Isn't that interesting? So don't be surprised if you didn't get it right. And then I want you to ask your spouse, what did you think were mine? And then, and then as you guys get done, what are three things I could do that would speak right into your love language? Would you let me know the three? 
and then you give your three to them. What if you and I <laughs> began to speak? What, what, if, what if this community looked and said, man, the wives of Cornerstone really love their husbands. And the husbands at Cornerstone really love their wives. That'd be a good day. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we simply come before you and we get it. We get, we get that you've asked us to love each other and yet in our humanness and we so often don't communicate this well. We don't say this in ways that our spouses understand or accept. And, and I'm just going to ask today that you would help us to be willing to sit down and, and just ask and say, look, am I making you feel loved? Do you, do you get it? Because I, I may have been making gestures for 10 years that never touched your heart. And so I need to know, what is it that I do that in those moments you feel most deeply loved. Because I, I want you, I want you to know that I love you at the end of the day. God, this is about us figuring out how to be obedient to what you've asked a husband to do for his wife and a wife to do for her husband. God, would you step into the middle of the conversations that we're about to have with one another and may, may scales from, fall from our eyes and may we begin to suddenly maybe understand each other that much more, to maybe see our children differently or maybe even parents that we spent a lifetime thinking didn't love us and realize they were screaming, I love you. It was just in a different language that we didn't understand. God, would you strengthen, would you grow the marriages here at Cornerstone? And this we pray in your name. Amen.